Welcome back, everybody. Just, uh, man, I tell you what, I have some of the greatest news <laughs> to share with you today. I'm so excited. This is week 11. I've already said that. Week 11 in exile. Week 11 of uh, worshiping from home. Can you believe it's been 11 weeks? Crazy. Uh, it was our 25th anniversary. We were supposed to have this big celebration in March, and it got canceled, and now all of April, May, blah. So here we are. I am so excited to announce to you today that uh, starting next Sunday, we're going to be having worship in person in the, on the ball field outside in your cars at 9 o'clock. Let's get to some of our, our uh, kind of announcements, but it's such a big deal. I want to be the one to tell you this today. So um, next Sunday at 9 o'clock, we'll be gathering right here from your television sets again. If you don't want to come, if it's too far away, if you live in Schenectady, if you're in California, New York, Florida, as many of the people are that are now a part of this church family, this, then you gather right here, and the staff is going to be a part of moderating the service. We're going to be greeting everybody and kind of commenting and saying good morning and all that jazz at 9 o'clock. But also, everybody say also, also, <laughs> Sunday, next Sunday at 9 o'clock, we'll be gathering for our first in-person, from our cars, drive-in church service. So this is what it would look like. About 8.30, you show up and, uh, and you, you get your, your parking spot uh, you pre-ordered your coffee. We bring it out to you in your car. You get to say good morning to people. Now, you have to stay in your vehicles. Otherwise, we're in violation. But, you know, if you've got to go to the bathroom, the bathrooms will be open. You can roll down your windows and wave. If you want to wear a mask or gloves or keep the, the windows up, that's completely up to you. There is absolutely no, no compulsion to do this any other way but then the way that is, makes you comfortable and is, you know, legal. So next Sunday, 9 o'clock, get there 8.30, 8.40, get gathered in, hang out. Just to let you know. You know, there's not going to be any children's ministry, obviously, and, and so we get to phase three is what the federal government calls it. Phase six is what the state government calls it. Uh, phased out is what I call it. So as soon as we're allowed to be together, we'll resume nursery ministry and children's ministry. But this Sunday coming up, this next Sunday, there will be no children's ministry. You got to stay in the car unless it's a potty emergency. All right. So um, get a parking spot, enjoy some music. We'll be playing some worship music just kind of from 8.30 till 9 o'clock. But at 9 o'clock, we're going to open with prayer. Going to stand up there with a microphone in my hands. You guys will be on your vehicles. I'll be up in front of the drive-in movie screen, you know, picture thing that we've made out there on the softball field behind the church. And, and several hundred of us, I believe, are going to be there. And I'm going to open us in prayer live from your vehicles, live from the ball field. And then we're going to play for you some pre-recorded worship music. And this is, for some of you who've been waiting for this for years, you can adjust the temperature to any temperature you like. You can adjust the volume to any temperature that you like. It's going to be like perfect church from inside your Winnebago. So uh, enjoy that. And we're going to worship for a while. When the, when the worship time is over with, Dina's going to come out. She's going to share the announcements, do some preliminaries. You know, it's going to be just like we would do it in this room, except we'll be out on that ball field. And then I'm going to come and preach the same sermon that I preached, you know, via the, the internet just uh, about the same time. The re pre-recorded sermon will be being played on live stream, but I'll be preaching live and in person on that ball field. You can amen by blinking your lights. You have a wave offering to the Lord by turning on your windshield wipers. If you really get excited and need to shout hallelujah, you can do it with the horn, but the neighbors have already complained, so be careful of that. So it's going to be awesome, and I, I just wanted to share with you, I know we're taking several minutes, but I wanted to say to you, next Sunday, I've been saying one day closer, one day closer, one day closer. Gang, it's next Sunday. Can I get a good amen? So next Sunday, 9 o'clock on the ball field. Also, 9 o'clock via this, this medium, live stream, Facebook Live, uh, YouTube, 
uh, Instagram, Insta, Twitter, Graham, Bookface, uh, whatever it is we're on. So all of those things, all right, is happening next Sunday. The weather's supposed to be beautiful. If it's not, I don't care. I will stand in a rainstorm with a giant golfing umbrella in, in a lightning storm. But I am preaching live to you next Sunday at 9 o'clock. So this morning what I want to do is we've been kind of in our own little worlds, in our own little isolated places. We've been in our, uh, you know, listening to the newscasts we want to listen to, you know, subscribing to the podcast to say what we want to hear. We've been, you know, interested in things that are angry about the stuff we're angry about or hurt or scared or whatever, you know, happy or resentful, whatever it is. We've been isolated and we've kind of chosen our tribes to be, um, you know, we, we've been kind of, things happen in isolation that don't happen in community. And so I want to talk today, just literally a heart to heart. I want you to hear the heart of, of your pastor, of hopefully of your friend, certainly of your brother, talking to your heart today. Let, in Africa, there's a culture of kings and queens when we were there, and I, boy, that really struck me. I, Reggie Dabbs brought this home for me years ago where he said, you know, that, that there's a king and a queen that lives inside of each of us. And he, he said to a group of teenagers one night, and this room was packed, he said, let, tonight, let the king in me speak to the king in you. And I say the same thing. Let, let the king in me, Jesus Christ in me, speak to the king in you. Would you affirm with me today a heart-to-heart conversation about what it means to be coming back together again today. So I want to talk to you a little bit. It's almost like a state of the union. I want to talk about our past, our recent past. I want to talk to you about our present, where we are as of you hearing this. And I want to talk to you about the future that God has for us. And I want us to, to get dialed in. I want us to get a little detached from our favorite newscast, from our favorite commentator, from our, our favorite opinion, from our favorite YouTuber. I want us to get detached from those things because as we come back into unity again in the spirit with the body of Christ, I want nothing. Let me say it again. I want nothing Nothing to stand in the way of what God wants to do in these extraordinarily vital and important days that we are living in right now. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the past, the last few weeks. Um, where have we been? Uh, the last 11 weeks have been easily some of the most trying, difficult times and some of the most glorious, fruitful times in the, the, the almost 60-year history of this church. Now, I, I want to be very careful how I say that. If you've been going through hard times and I start talking about victory, you'll be like, man, I, I feel detached from that. They're having victory, and I'm, I'm still here. I'm, I'm scared. I'm sick. I'm isolated. And they're talking about victory. I, I get that. I'm talking about both, how difficult the last 12, 11 weeks have been, but what God has been doing through Freedom Center Church, through you, through the staff, through our people, through, through the electronic medium has been um, second to none. We have never seen a season that has had the impact, the harvest, the influence as we have in the last three months. Remember, I was here for Y2K. I, I was here for 9-11. I, I was here for recessions. I, I turned uh, 30, 40, and 50 standing in this pulpit. My, those birthdays were all celebrated here. I'm about five and a half years away from my 60th birthday standing right here. So we've seen a lot of things. And I, what I saw during the 9-11 was, was an instantaneous, wow, man, the world's exploding. We need to go to church. But a week later, not so much. Two weeks later, everything went back to normal. Y2K, I saw people saying, hey, we're going to need each other in community. But then, you know, when the world didn't blow up on January 1st, 2000, everybody kind of went back to normal. But this has been a prolonged season of life and death, a prolonged season of scary things, a prolonged season of confusion, blanks that need to be filled in, fears that, that have to be assuaged. And so I've seen something in this where it isn't an instantaneous, the, the terrorists are falling from the skies, and then a week later, no, they're not. 
everything's going to go back to normal real soon. This has been a, a people are talking about a, the new normal. And part of what's come along with this is questions about faith, questions about God, value of community, and the lack thereof. And I believe that we're, as we talk about our, our past, our present, and our future, I'm going to save all the good stuff for the future, but let's take a look at the last few weeks. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, say in the English translations extraordinarily similar things. And I'm going to bring this up in just a moment, but think of it this way. The reason I believe Freedom Center Church has been used wonderfully, beautifully, powerfully by God in the last three months, this is why. This has been a season of God being faithful to his promises. And this has been a season of God's people being faithful to the promises that God has made them. Let me say that again. God is a promising God. And when people take up God on his promises, great things happen. When we obey, when we trust, when we move in obedience, God then is able to multiply. If we are loaves and fish in the hands of Jesus, he gets to feed multitudes with our brokenness. He gets to feed multitudes with our, with our efforts, with our flesh. He gets to feed multitudes in miraculous ways so that not only are the needs taken care of, but there's 12 baskets left over. That's what's been happening in the last three months. We're extraordinarily tired. We have been working nonstop. Most of my staff has not had a day off in three months, but let me say this, God has been moving powerfully. So Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3 says this. It says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus is being tempted by the devil, and, and the devil says, you should turn these rocks into bread. He's been fasting for 40 days. He's extraordinarily hungry. His body's starting to eat itself. It's painful. Um, all you can think about your brain is just saying, food, food, food. So the devil shows up and goes, if you are the son of God, hey, prove it. And Jesus goes, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth uh, of God. Now, mouth of the Lord, Deuteronomy 8.3, mouth of God, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Now, there, there, it appears that English, English translations, there's not much of a difference. But this is very important. I know I'm teaching theology, but you got to hear me. Matthew chapter 4 and Deuteronomy chapter 8 have one distinct difference. Deuteronomy chapter 8 says this. It talks about that, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds. There's a Hebrew phrase that is translated every word that proceeds. And the operative words in that sentence, in that phrase, are nouns. Now, put your finger there. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus says it now in Aramaic. And, and man shall not live by bread alone, by every word that proceeds. Those words are verbs. Now, why is that important? Why is a noun in, in the Old Testament a verb in the New Testament important. This is why. Moses, who was writing Deuteronomy, was talking about that which had been established, the noun, the law. These are the teachings of God. Jesus said, not only is there the law, but God continues to speak. That's the verb. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema that continually proceeds from the mouth of God. The right here, right now, anointed word. Moses said, it's established. Jesus says, that, that the Father is still speaking, and he's speaking through me. Now, if you skip to Revelations, uh, in just a moment we will, but I want you to go to John chapter 1, verse 17. It says this, For the law came through Moses, that's been established. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's this continual tense. That's the verb. Jesus is speaking. But let's go one step farther into Revelations chapter 1, 2, and 3, where this phrase is repeated over and over and over again. And it says this, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying, what the Spirit says in the continual tense. So let me just set that up. Moses spoke. Jesus said, God continues to speak. And the Holy Spirit in Revelation says he continues to speak even today. 
Now, what does that mean? That means this. The Holy Spirit can speak to us and convict us of our sin. The Holy Spirit can encourage us, strengthen us, and comfort us through prophetic gifts. But I believe that one of the things the Holy Spirit does more than anything else and is doing now, and really has, that is the explanation for this last three months' extraordinary fruitfulness, is that God has been making us promises through the years. He's been telling us who we are. The Holy Spirit says, this is your heart. This is your, your covenant. This is your anointing. This is your compassion. This is your harvest field. And this season has opened so many doors for Freedom Center Church to be Freedom Center Church and powerful, beautiful, unique, generous, kind, faithful, leaving fingerprints of Jesus ways. And I want to tell you about that. So understand this, guys. We have always, always had a heart for the lost. Long before I came here, 1968, I believe the church was founded. I was three years old. Long before I knew there was a Jesus, there was a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Long before I knew there was a Great Commission, Pastor Effie Burke and Thelma Burke had a heart for the lost, and, and that heart continues to this day. I came here, and we started saying that we're going to win the lost at any cost that doesn't cost us our belief. We talked about any time, any place, and any price. These are, these are statements that have been made uh, now, I would consider, almost prophetically through the years. This is who we are. We are anointed to bring good news to the poor. We are anointed to set captives free. We are anointed to preach, to bring sight to the blind, to announce the year of the Lord's favor. Like we are anointed to go into the streets and the highways and the hedges and the counties and, and the, the, the food lines and the DMV lines. The DMV lines are longer than the food lines. We, we are anointed to go and to be the good news of Jesus Christ to this community. So we've always had a, a heart for the lost, the hurting. Uh, and, and in this season of need, Man, we just have been in the right place at the right time with, with the food, with the diapers, with the furniture, with the prayer, with, with, the, with the, the small groups, with the community. Everything this community has cried out for. I want you to hear me. Everything this community has cried out for, you guys have been uniquely gifted, anointed, placed, purposed for such a time as this. I wrote these words in 2014. I'm about to read to you about walking in the promises of God. I wrote it in a book called Why is Greater Than What? And I, and I taught it just this last week. But man, it really came back to me. It really came back to me in a, it, like this again was, I didn't realize how prophetic these words were for the season we're living in. But it says this, because we've walked in our promises, hear me. Those who walk in the promises of God will become the fulfillment, the fulfillment of God's promises to others. Let me show you what I'm talking about because I think Scripture shows this so clearly and so often. Uh, if you look at the life of Moses, Moses is this, this character that really stands out in Scripture because he, he's an orphan who's adopted, who's going to be the king, but becomes a murderer, who then disappears from life for decades. And it isn't until later on in life that we find him. And he's out watching sheep that he doesn't own. <laughs> he's working in his father-in-law's business, living in his father-in-law's tent. He really hasn't made, you know, much of his life. But one day he looks over and he sees something and it, it draws his attention. There's a bush that's burning, and, uh, and, and, but it's not being consumed. So he walks over and says, I wonder what that is. And as he walks over to the bush, he hears the voice of God. And God starts to make him promises. He says, Moses, you're going to go and speak to Pharaoh. Moses, you're going to go uh, declare my truth 
to the king of Egypt. Moses, you're going to be responsible in a human way for the deliverance of millions of my people coming out of 430 years of slavery. This is my word to you. And Moses goes, I, I need more than just your word, man. I, you know, so the stick turns into a snake and, and uh, God assures him that he's not just sending him, but he's going to go with him back to Egypt and his presence will be there. And he'll give him words to say and signs and wonders and all this stuff. So God makes Moses a promise. But watch this. As Moses goes, God uses the obedience of Moses to his promise to fulfill his promise to the nation of Israel. Because of the 430 years of slavery now that's gone on, because of the disobedience of their daddy's 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 daddy, they haven't drawn a free breath in over 11 generations. And now God made them a promise. And the Bible says this, that on the exact day that the 430 years was up, God led them out of Egypt and set them free. Not a day too late, not a day too soon, but according to the promise. How did it happen? Because one man heard God speak, and he obeyed the promise. When he was faithful to the promise that God had made him, God used him as the embodiment of God's faithfulness to others. When you think about Nehemiah. Nehemiah is you know, asking about the condition of, of Jerusalem, and Hanani, one of his friends, comes and says, tell me, what's... What's going on? What's happened? And he goes, oh, yeah, the city of Jerusalem is in great distress. The, the walls have been torn down. The gates have been burned with fire. Those who live there are being just bullied and picked on and persecuted and enslaved. And Hanani goes on his way, but Nehemiah finds his way. It's like, that's, I, I can't stand it. And he prays, and God begins to make promises in Nehemiah's heart. You notice in Nehemiah, the, the Bible doesn't say, and then God said, and then an angel appeared, and then, you know, a theophany occurred, and then a donkey spoke. It's literally just inside of his heart, but God is speaking to the inside of this man's heart. It was God that broke Nehemiah's heart for his city. And he delighted himself in the Lord, and God granted him the desire of his heart. Well, look what happens. By Nehemiah being faithful to the promises that God had made him, God is able now to be faithful to the promises that he's made to Jerusalem. And the same thing is true today. Guys, hear me. Freedom Center, hear me. Your faithfulness in this last season to, to the promises that God has made this house, <laughs> your, your ability to show up and blow up, your, your sacrificial attitude, you, taking your stimulus checks and just turning turn them over and saying, feed doctors, feed nurses, feed janitors that work in these ER units, take care of people, take care of Mother's Day, and take care of uh, Easter. I mean, you think of how long we've been doing this now. Your faithfulness in prayer and attendance in participation, being here this morning on a holiday weekend, your faithfulness to the promises God has made this house have made you the fulfillment of what God has promised to our community. People that said, God, if you're there, God, if you're real, God, if you care, I need help. And it wasn't long before someone said, have you tried, you know, Center of Hope? Have you tried Freedom Center Church? Have you logged on to to find peace in the midst of this storm? Have you, have you tried to communicate with? Have you joined a group of Freedom Center Church? Guys, hear me. This is what I'm trying to say. By your faithfulness, by our obedience, God has used us in this recent past to be the most effective three months of the last 25 years of my family being here serving you, serving this city, serving God, serving this congregation. It's happened just, just in the last three months. I'm so excited. I just want to say this to you. You let your light shine before men in such a way that they've seen your good works and they are glorifying your Father in heaven. I love that. I, I don't say this often enough, but I... I do say this now from a pure heart. I am so proud of you. I am so, so just pleased, so just over the top happy 
with how you have reacted, responded, how you've proacted who you are and stood on promises and taken ground. Um, if there ever was a thought, well, all the church wants is your money, the last three months have shown, as we have not received any extraordinary offerings. I want to say it again. The last three months, we've not said, listen, if you don't give today, this ministry is going under. If you give a dollar, God's going to bless you a hundredfold. None of that junk. We just kept preaching the gospel and the culture of generosity, the culture of faith, the culture of obedience, the culture of serving your neighbor, loving your neighbor has become this beautiful, beautiful expression. All the church wants is your money, said no one in the last three months because we haven't asked for money. You've just been generous. We've been in a position to just give it to help to serve, to alleviate the crisis, to, to help our brothers and sisters in need, to go beyond just the household of faith into a world that they would have faith to. So let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate. I mean, let's just take some confetti and throw it at it. You know what I mean? That, that is a beautiful, like, congratulations. That is our recent past. Let's move on now, though, to our, our present. This is what our present is. This is where we are. We are coming out of this season uh, it took a lot longer, to be honest with you, than I thought. Maybe you're like me. Every time the governor's going to have a, an announcement, my stomach gets a little like, oh, no, please, she's going to move the finish line again. Or the federal government has a news conference like, no, no, they're going to move the finish line again. And we've been saying one day closer, one day closer. It was kind of this fun thing to say for us. We're one day closer. Now, if one more person says we're one day closer, I'm going to punch him in the mouth, right? It's like, I just, I don't want to hear it anymore. I was like, hey, you're almost there. I, who knows where almost there is? The finish line has moved so often. But where are we now? We're, we are almost, we're, we're coming out of the cave. We're coming into the sunshine. We're the groundhog and we saw our shadow and it's gonna, winter's almost done, right? We're almost there. And uh, we're gonna be coming back together again here in the next seven days. And so I wanna talk about that because we're, we're trying to figure out the best ways to do that. And I want us to do a quick gut check, a quick, a quick heart check, a quick word check where we've been here recently. And I, I just ask for this one thing from you, and it's this. Please come agreeing to the preeminence of Jesus Christ above all other issues. We have a little bit of a disadvantage in Michigan because we're behind everybody else. We are, we are only two states in the nation as of this week that hadn't begun the reopening process. We were one of the two states. Now that has begun, Traverse City and the Upper Peninsula and other places where nobody lives. The moose are glad that they're relieved, but here we are. So, but it, it's starting to, but it's been really late. This is the disadvantage of being in Michigan right now. But the advantage is we've been watching other people begin to open their churches again, beginning to meet again, beginning to have drive-ins or even come into service. And what that looks like and what people are doing, and, and people are doing it very differently, but the one continual thing that I keep seeing and I want to address with you now is this. As people have come back to church, there's been opinions. There's been an awkwardness. There's been a sense of... Um, you know, I, we had a, an argument over social media. Now we're going to be in the same room together. Do we kiss and make up? Do we ignore each other and sit on separate sides? I just, I, I want to I bring this to you. That there's an importance to unity. The last prayer that Jesus prayed in peace when he was in the garden with his disciples around him was this. I pray, Holy Father, that you will make them one. Me and them, you and me, us and them, them and us, that they would be brought to complete unity. I know these have been trying times. I know these have been passionate times. I know there's been stressful times. But as we come out of this, it's time to judge how we did during those times and move forward into the next times. We're coming together. You're going to be seeing people that maybe you had a spat with or maybe you're uptight about or maybe you disagree with when we're opening or not opening it. We'll get to that in a moment. But I, I just want you to know something. I am asking 
I am asking, and I'll take it a step farther, I will humbly insist that what we talk about here is Jesus. What we worship here is Jesus. What we think about here is Jesus. I will not be stopped on speed bumps that are supposed to be rolled over as we move forward. We will not make this the issue. The COVID, the government, the Facebook, the protest, the non-protest, we are done with talking about that. As we come out of this, it's time to bring the body of Christ together to think about, make preeminent in our hearts and minds and our words, Jesus Christ, who is our Savior above our governor, our Savior above our president, our Savior above the World Health Organization, the United Nations, and every other throne that a man can or a woman can sit on. Jesus Christ is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and we are here to worship Him, talk about Him, glorify Him. It is time to come out of the darkness and proclaim the light of day. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Words like virus, words like politics, words like vaccine, these are not biblical words, but words like unity, words like kingdom, words, words like gospel, those are in the Bible, and those will be the words that we will focus on. We will fix our eyes on Jesus because he's the author. He's the perfecter of our faith. I want to say this to you, and I say it very humbly, but I need to say this. If you've enjoyed playing in the mud for the last 12 weeks, it's time to come out of the mud. It's time to clean up your act. It's time to get free from all the infuriating voices and influences and come back in a position of peace. It's time to come out of the storm, and it's time to get the storm out of you so now we can talk about what we've learned. We can talk about where we're going. We can talk about what Jesus wants us to talk about. It's time for us to talk more about Jesus than anything else. And so lastly, we've talked about the past. We've now talked about the present. Let's talk about the future. Where are we going? Well, this is where it gets really exciting too. Because of the fidelity of, of the majority over the last season, we are uniquely positioned after 12 weeks of sowing, of watering, of plowing, of weeding, we are now positioned for harvest. I'm going to say this, and you, you can look at this six months from now, six years from now. I believe that one of the greatest opportunities for the expansion of the kingdom, not, not just people raising their hand and saying, I want Jesus, and going away, but people gathering, staying, family units, like this is, hear me, this is the greatest opportunity of our lifetime to expand what Jesus calls his church. It, it's so important that I just, I just want to impress this on you. Our church family, you may or may not know this, it has grown, it has multiplied during this season. I'm not quite sure how. I'm not sure why. I know that, that we had this electronic thing set up. I know that we had a, a, what they call a platform ready. I know that we have people that are full-time that know what they're doing to, to communicate with people. But I'm telling you, we have people like this is their home church, and their home is thousands of miles away. We have people from our community. We have people that are moving back from Florida to Linden and say, we cannot wait to worship with you. And you know, it's funny, they've never been in this building. They found us during this season and they are a part of us. They're, they're on every Bible study. They're on every devotion. They're on every worship thing. They're praying with us. They are as much a part of us as you are a part of us. But they've never set foot on these grounds before. They'll be coming next Sunday. I want you to know something. This opportunity for us to, to help people belong and I want you to hear me. Jonathan Gainsborough taught me this 24 years ago out of Fahola Campground. He came and taught a seminar called Winning the Backdoor War. And he said these words, and I've never forgotten them. He says, those who don't belong before too long will say so long. It is time for us to rejoin our groups. It is time for us to bring strangers with us because strangers become friends and friends become family. 
It is time for us to be that guy. Do you remember that guy? Remember that guy that remembered your name? Remember that guy that you sat next to? Remember that guy that made you feel welcome? Remember that lady that gave you a hug because, just because? And she didn't hug everybody, she only hugged you, and you felt special. Remember that person that, hey, why don't you join us? We're going to be going to dinner. Or, hey, we need you to help serve in the youth ministry. Hey, and they, they connected you. You didn't come to the church like you go to a movie theater. You came to a family room filled with people that you knew and you had a purpose. It is time for you to be that guy. It is time for you to be that Gail. I want to tell you something. Hundreds, hundreds, not hundred, hundreds of people now call this place their church and they've never set foot in this room. It is important for you. It is important for the gospel. It is important for the expansion of the kingdom. It's important that those who have joined us in heart now join us in body and soul and in spirit. You are You are the guy. Remember the name. Make people feel welcome. Wave to them. Smile at them. Rub elbows. Whatever you're allowed to do safely and legally, share your mask with them. I don't care. But let's make sure everybody feels like they belong. Otherwise, before too long, they'll say so long because what they thought they had was a family and then they realize, no, it's just a group that gathers that I'm, I don't get to be a part of. You are, we are to be the people that, that will be told about when others tell their stories about how they came here, how they got baptized, how they felt locked in, how their ministry began, how their marriage was saved, how they quit drinking, how they were discipled. Evangelism is when we lead people to Jesus, and we've done that by the hundreds, maybe even the thousands. But discipleship is not leading them to Jesus. It's leading them to the person Jesus sees them as. It's cutting away everything that doesn't look like Jesus. It's teaching them what's inside of them. It's fellowship. The greatest discipleship tool in the body of Christ in America today, you know what it is? It's the couch in your family room where strangers become friends and friends become families. I want you to sign up for a group. I've never been a part of a group. Or, man, I, I, I've always wanted to. I just never had the time. It's time for the excuses to go away. It's time for you to join a group. It's, it can be a running group. It can be a fishing group. It can be a Bible study group. It can be a men's group, a women's group, a youth group, a children's group, a family group, a divorce uh, care group. It can be a grieving because someone died group. It can be a group that studies the dynamics of groups. I don't care. But get involved in the smaller. And when you do that, would you do me one other thing? People that you've met online, that you, you've seen their name consistently, would you invite them to come and be a part of your world? Because they've been a part of our world in a virtual way, but now they need to become a part of our world in a, in a physical way. They need to feel like they belong before too long or they're going to say so long. I want to ask a favor of you as we go into this, this next uh, season as well. I'm going to ask for your flexibility as we decide what to open, when to open it, and to what extent. Um, again, We've watched others do this in other states, and the one universal thing is no matter if you open up now or a month from now, people will leave the church. People get upset. People get vocal. If we open now, because it's still dangerous, that's irresponsible. You're putting people's lives at risk. But if we open up a month from now, people say, that's irresponsible. Why did you let the government shut down public worship? That's not right. This is what I'm going to say. Trust me or don't. So I'm going to say, trust the leadership, the elders that you trusted for decades, or for some people we've never met. <laughs> Trust me or don't, but I would ask that you would keep your opinions as strong as they may be to themselves and trust that we're doing the best we can, the best we know how, with the data available, with, with the prayer, with the leading of the Holy Spirit. We're doing the best we can to open up at just the right time, not a moment too late, not a moment too soon. We're going to have drive-in church this Sunday, but sooner or later, we're supposed to be back in this room, and kids are supposed to be in the hallways, and Mrs. Mossman's supposed to be hugging people at the doorways. We don't know when that day is. We are taking steps back towards it starting this Sunday. 
It may require some flexibility. And I would just compare it to this. In this room, the number one issue that we have dealt with and in the other room and the number one issue we've dealt with through all these years is, is the volume. Believe it or not, the number one most often complaint about the church is the volume. It's too loud. It's too soft. So let's just say this. 40% of the people say the music's just too loud. It, it hurts my ears. I can't enjoy it that way. I don't like it. At the same time, let's see if another 40% says that, you know, the, the music should be louder. It's not engaging enough. I feel like I'm, I like, I like people around me, I, I don't want to hear myself when I sing. I want it louder than that. And this is 40%, 40%, there's 20% in the middle. They go, I wouldn't change a thing. I think it's perfect. Now, let me ask you a question. If 40%, 40%, and 20% is, is let me just, I'll just tell you, I need to ask you the question. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's balanced. That's actually even. With 80% of the people thinking we're making a mistake and only 20% of the people thinking we're doing it right, that is the best answer that we've ever come up with. And so we listen to complaints. It's too loud. Man, will you turn that up? It just isn't engaging enough. I can't feel the bass. I want my guts to churn during that, that warfare part of that, and I just I want it louder. I want my eardrums to bleed. Otherwise, Jesus isn't in the room, right? And other people are saying, man, it's just so loud. It's actually painful. I, I, so if 40%, 40%, and 20%, don't like it, don't like it, do like it. 80% are dissatisfied in some way. We're actually doing it well. And I'd say the same thing's probably about to happen for us. And you can make all the comments and all the complaints. You can make all the passive-aggressive social media posts. You can talk to your friends who agree with you. But I'm telling you this, it will not change a thing. We're going to make the best decision at the best time, and we ask for your flexibility, your cooperation. We ask for you to understand how difficult it is and how we're not going to be able to make everybody happy. But we'll do what we believe is responsible, what is proper, what is right. If the Holy Spirit says, open today, it's open today. But outside of a word from God, we're going to use a lot of information. We're going to be watching. We're listening. We're talking to other churches. If one church opens up and the others don't, that makes the church a target. But if 10 churches open up the same day, it kind of diversifies that responsibility. And so we'll be communicating with other local congregations as we already have been. And we're going to begin to kind of reemerge from the cave back to whatever normal is about to be. And so I ask for your flexibility on that. Now, I want to do this at the end of this service today because I, I feel like we've been a little remiss in this. We would have been taking time during the live services, usually kind of towards the end of worship, to have a season of prayer. Now, the, the music's going to begin to play, and I appreciate so much our, our beautiful, just gifted, anointed, um, you know, creative arts team. They do a brilliant job around here. I'm, I am just over the top pleased with the music that's being written, with the cooperation, just the synchronicity. The, I mean, they have really, this last three months, they have, they have exploded in effectiveness, and we're so grateful. for. I mean, most of them are kids. Most of them are like in their 20s. To me, that's a kid. It may not be to you, but literally, I'm just shocked. Like, I'm so glad that the millennials and the fogies have finally found a common project to work on, and we need them, and they've been brilliant. As the music begins to play, we, we would normally kind of during service take time to pray over and kind of target things. And I felt as I was writing this message that the Holy Spirit wanted us to target some things. So we're going to take four minutes. And we're going to pray over four things. And I would ask, I realize it's a virtual environment. I realize that you might be eating breakfast or sitting on opposite sides of the room. But much like we did on Easter where we had communion together, I'm going to ask for you to get up from where you are now and, and go and be with anybody else that's in the room with you. So if you're there with your spouse or you're there with your kids or you're there with your parents or you're there with your, you know, your significant other, I want you to, to get up from where you are and I want you sitting in the same place and I want you to grab hands with each other. And we're going to pray over four topics that I believe our congregation now is, is supposed to be shooting at right now, focusing on. And, and the first one is going to be uh, for the pastors and churches around our community. I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, like, like I've just said to you, there's some tough choices coming and there's strong opinions and, and vocal people that, are, that have been hurt or angry or whatever. 
Um, we need to pray for the leadership in the body of Christ that serve the congregations all over our community very well. So we could join me in that. Father, I pray for the, for the pastors. God, I pray for Pastor Wes at The Rock. God, I, I, I pray, Father, for the pastor at First Baptist, First Nazarene and Fenton. God, I pray for the United Methodist Church. God, for Father Ryan over at uh, St. John's. I pray for Pastor Pat and, and Teresa, God, over in, in Linden, for Pastor Caleb and Jenny in Swartz Creek. God, we, we lift up these people to you now. Pastor Bill down at Floodgate and, and Howell. God, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would grant wisdom to your servants, God, that they would lead in in such a way as to bring you glory and honor. We pray, God, for the congregations that they serve, that they would be in unity. We ask, Jesus, that you would just pour out your spirit. May a spirit of revival come to your church, God. Not, not just a placating, let's try to be at peace, uh, North Korea, South Korea, ceasefire. No, may, may there be a reunification of the body of Christ because of this. We have needed each other, and we have served side by side with one another. God, let that spread from pastors to congregations. May there be unity. May there be wisdom. May there be revival, God, in the pulpits and in the pews and in the fan rooms, God, of these congregations. And Father, we pray for the next thing, and that is the marriages and the families represented by the, in these congregations in our community. God, it's been, a, it's been a time where if there was cracks in the foundation, the weight of this season has exposed those cracks to be, in some ways, something that's causing the building to begin to collapse. And Jesus, we ask you to invade husbands and wives' hearts, we pray, Father, for families that have been locked together and now that they see there's problems, we pray that those who need to get help will get help out of this season. We pray for miracles of forgiveness and mercy. We pray, God, that you would bring together that which has been torn asunder. You said, let that which has been joined together, let no man put asunder. God, we, 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 we agree on earth what you've declared from heaven. Let the marriages and the families come back together in complete and perfect unity. We declare the peace of the Lord into the families, into the homes into the bedrooms, into the family rooms, the kitchens, the backyards, God, of our community. May this be the greatest season of restoration, God. Not destruction, but restoration in Jesus' name. And Father, we pray for the third thing, and that's the finances and the provision that is needed, God, all over our land. People have been laid off and financial uncertainties. First of all, God, we pray for peace because you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the one, the God who provides for his children. You said, I've never seen the, the, the righteous, you know, forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. We, you've declared that we are the head and not the tail. You said, if, if, the, if the Lord who created the grass, the field, clothes it in beauty, and it's here today and tomorrow's thrown in the fire, how much more will he provide for you the things that you need? So Holy Spirit, we just hold on to the promises of God. We stand on them. We're faithful in the promises that until you make us a fulfillment of what you've promised to others. God, we pray for provision to be abundant, um, God, we, we thank you for neighbors and churches and opportunities. We thank you for business ideas and new adventures and entrepreneurial spirit and being hired back soon and bonuses. And like my wife always says, Father, we thank you for unexpected, un the unexpected checks that are on their way now. We trust you. We pray pour out a blessing that we cannot contain. And lastly, God, we pray for the health and the safety of our community. If that which doesn't come from you prospers, it's time for your people to stop and take a good look if we're standing out in the rain getting wet. If we need to move back, God, you, you said if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn away from wickedness and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. God, we, we pray for a healing of our land. We, we humble ourselves. We turn away from wickedness. We pray, Holy Spirit, send rain on this land. Send healing to us. The, the, the doctors and scientists be confounded. It just went away. SARS, 
just went away, but I believe it went away because of a praying church in China. God, we pray, may this, this, this pestilence, may it pass in the name of Jesus as your people humble themselves and pray and turn away from wickedness and seek your face now, God. We pray that you would keep us safe, body, soul, and spirit. We apply the blood of Jesus to our homes and the homes of our community that that which came to destroy must now pass over. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we declare these prayers. We know that heaven says amen in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I believe that we have a lot to do with what God does. And I believe that what we have just done now in preparing our hearts to come back together and praying for the needs of our community, I believe we've, we've accomplished much. So I, I pray for you. I love you. And if I see you next week in this medium, I look forward to it. If I see you next week out on the ball field, I look forward to it. In the meantime, will you prepare your hearts for community, for unity, for anointing, for revival? Let us not be distracted playing in mud when God has pearls for his children. Let us be ready. Let us be willing. Let us be able. Let us be obedient and anointed to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. It's a day like none other. That's our past. That's our present. That's our future. We'll see you soon. God bless you guys. We love you.